Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we continue our series, There's an App for That. Today, guest pastor Gil Stieglitz points us to an app called Wisdom. In today's lesson, we're led to discover how we apply or get God's wisdom into our lives. Listen as Gil gives us some real-life ideas on how we can get God to talk back to us and give us His wisdom. Hey, hey, all right, it's good to be back here, but since Dave's here, I figure it's time for him to get off vacation and get up here and, uh, you know, okay. Well, no, anyway, he uh, asked me to come. He was checking out some stuff, and so our job, uh, my job this morning is to talk with you about uh, wisdom and to punch the button on your iPhone and into your life of how do we apply or, or get God's wisdom in. This is going to be a little different kind of a sermon than a normal sermon. It's going to be more like a Home Depot lecture where, you know, you kind of, how do you put in a floor and how do you panel a house? We're going to go real practical, real fast through some really cool stuff that I think will make a difference. But this last two, three months for me has been really an interesting ride. I resigned from the denominational position and have decided to leave full-time work and to just work with three part-time things. And so some new stuff is happening to me. In the supervisor job that I had, I had to let two people go in the last couple months. We've had to work with, now I have three people in my family in college, my wife and my two older girls, and trying to make sure we don't commit financial suicide and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, your life is probably busy like mine. And my question is, do you ever just want to say, God, I need to interact with some wisdom. I need some help in how do I make all these decisions? Does that ever happen to you? Yeah, a few folks, okay. The rest of you are just wondering, what is this all about? Now, the whole point of being a Christian is to try and get wisdom from God. Now, the difficulty with being a Christian is, hit this next one, is to try and get God to talk back, right? It's to, okay, I know how I can ask in prayer, but I need God to talk back to me. So what I want to do today is I want to walk through the processes I actually use every day to get God to speak back to me. Every day I spend about one to three hours every night between nine and midnight every night to just say, God, here's what I'm going through. Tell me what you need me to know. Here, what do I need to do here? What do I need to do there? What do I need to do here? And God speaks back. Would you like to know how to have that happen? Yeah. So let me, I actually have 35 different ways I do that, but I'm only going to share four of them because they're the big four. Okay. But there's a whole bunch of more. So if you have notes, take notes on this for some of you that you're like, Oh, I've been waiting for this. This is kind of like popping the hood and saying, how does it actually work? So let's jump in here. The first one is the book of Proverbs. Every day I take the book of Proverbs and I ask God questions and then he answers it from the book of Proverbs. Now, Let me show you how this works, okay? Basically, what I do is I open the book of Proverbs to the day that it is. Today's the 22nd, so last night I was opening to the 22nd proverb, okay? And I know that God wants to answer some of my questions about what's going to happen today from that chapter, whatever day it is, the 15th, the 14th, whatever day, today's the 22nd. So what I do is then I write down what is the question, the number one question, number one problem in my life, and I say, God... Help me understand, what do I need to know? What do you want to tell me about that problem? And then I begin to slowly read through that proverb, phrase by phrase, verse by verse. And I just, I just go right through there, okay, phrase by phrase, verse by verse. And then eventually, I know what's going to happen is one of the verses is just going to lift off the page. It's just going to get more important, more significant. It's going to, uh, 
and it's just going to pull me. This one's for me. This is, this is how the Bible, the Bible's not like a normal book. This is a sacred book, a sacred piece of literature where God can speak through it. So this happens every night. And I just go, okay, here's the major problem. God, let's talk about this. And then one of the verses just goes, this is the one for you. And I go, oh. So then we spend, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes interacting about that. How do I do that? What's going on with that? Why would you say that to me? What do you that? Does I need to change? Do they need to change? What's going on? Does that make sense? Some of you, okay. This, is, this part in here is shaking their head. This part's a little unspiritual. Um, and this part we're working on, okay. So we'll work on it though, Dave. Okay, now, then... Then you, God wants to speak in your spirit. I just did this. I was in Maryland last week, um, and I was talking to a group of men's, uh, in about 30, 40 guys in this prayer breakfast, and I told them how to do this. And we just stopped for 15 minutes, and I said, okay, today was the 14th. I want you to go right down through it. And they read it. And hey, the 12th verse spoke to me, and the 14th verse spoke to me, and, and then the 9th one. And, I, and they all said, this is the coolest thing. I remember teaching this to a group of guys uh, as I was discipling them. And this one guy who came over from uh, South Africa and a multimillionaire. And he just said, this is the coolest thing because God is asking me to do stuff. And I know he's speaking to me in my soul. The Bible just lifts off the page. Oh, he says, this is the coolest thing. I don't need anything else. And it's, it's fascinating. So we just go back and forth. It's very cool. Now, you kind of got to say, this is just an interesting deal, but God wants to speak if you're willing to ask him the questions and then do what he wants. Now, that's the first one. Ready for the next one? Yeah. You're not sure. Okay, three of you. Okay. okay, the Beatitudes. Basically, the Beatitudes is the introduction to the most famous sermon in the history of the world, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says how to be successful in life in this 7 to 12 verse section in which he mentions nine different qualities. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are merciful and that kind of thing. And he gives us a bunch of qualities. And he says, these are the keys to being successful. The problem is we don't want any of those qualities. So God says, you have, you're being kept from being really joyful and successful. So what God does is because he loves us so much, especially if you're a Christian, he even loves you more if you're a Christian, he says, I'm going to sign you up for a course you don't want to take. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have stuff happen to you that isn't your fault. And so what happens to me is whenever something slams into my life, where I go, ah, that's not my fault. Why did you do that, God? Why did you allow that? Why did you let this person have this disease? Why did you let that thing happen? I go to the Beatitudes and I say, God, you must have enrolled me in a course that I wasn't really interested in taking because you want me to be more successful than I do. And so here's what I do. I ask God, what quality are you trying to teach me with this situation? And I read through each Beatitude slowly and prayerfully. God, is it this one? Is it this one? Is it this one? Is it this one? And then one of the qualities will lift off the page, will lift off the list, and God will say, this is the one I want to work on. Now, the reason it's important to know which one you need is because there are quizzes, tests, and finals. If you do not pass the quizzes, and especially if you do not pass the final, the course repeats. God will just enroll you again. I know some people who have been in anger management for 40 years. That's, by the way, meekness. Because God's saying, I want you to be more successful than you want to be. Just the other month, I asked my wife, I said, I said, which quality do you think God wants me to learn more than any other one? 
You know, because I was trying to check because God had said one and I wanted to see what she said. Okay, kind of do the double thing. Two, two major authorities in my life, God and my wife. And so I, and my wife said, you think I'm going to say this one, but you're doing much better on that one. It's this one. And I went, I hate it when she's right. You know, her and God both agree. It's like big stuff. And what God wants to do, let me show you, hit this next one here. This is what they are. Poor in spirit means maybe you need a new level of humility. Uh, maybe, uh, now, by the way, sometimes God works in the area of humility often by giving you a boss who's totally inept. And you have to work under someone that you know more than them. And he's trying to say, let me teach you something that you're not going to learn any other way. Then you go down through mourning or meekness or hunger and thirst after righteousness, mercy, that means somebody has to have hurt you or wounded you, and you need to be able to forgive them, and you haven't let go. Then peacemakers, purity, all those kinds of things. God says, Jesus says, that's the key to success. Not how much money you have, not how beautiful your husband or wife is, not what kind of car you drive, but those things. And we don't want those. And God says, when something slams into our life, he's saying, I'm enrolling you in a course to learn one of those. So that's the second one. Let's go on. The next one, the Ten Commandments. When, when I want God's wisdom, the Ten Commandments are a part of that piece for me, especially in a particular part. Look at Psalms chapter 19, verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Now, the word restore is the word for a sheep that has fallen down and is tipped over. Now, a sheep, you have to understand that a sheep has all of its fat up on the upper part of its body, okay? And it has little spindly legs, like some of us, okay? And, and now, if a sheep sits down in the wrong way and its fat shifts, the next thing you know, the sheep is like this. And it can't get turned up. It's just, it just does this. And there's, you know, there's no way, there's not enough weight up here to get all this weight to move. Now, if the shepherd doesn't see the sheep, Within two to six hours, the sheep will suffocate in its own fat. Now, what has to happen is the shepherd has to come and has to stand them up and say, oh, and then, then you're ready to go. Now, that's the word restore. That's the word restore. Now, what happens to all of us, even if we're not willing to always admit it, stuff happens to us that knocks us over and we can't stand up by ourselves. Have you ever been tipped over by life, knocked over? Man, that just nailed me. That just, oh, wow, that kind of stuff. And whenever that kind of thing happens to me, I go to the law of the Lord, which is Ten Commandments. Now, let me show you this. Here's what I do. I say, God, why am I weary? Why am I stressed out? Why am I so tipped over in this situation? What's going on that I missed? That kind of stuff. You ever get stressed out and twisted and just kind of tipped over? And... Then I read through each commandment very slowly and prayerfully, one commandment or one aspect at a time. Just this one, is it this one, is it this one? What do I, why is this happening? Now, and then God will lift one of them off the page, speak to me about one of them and say, this is the one I want you to focus on. This is the one where you're getting tipped over. Now, let me show you this. These are the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any graven images. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. 
about six months ago or so, as I was going along working my four jobs, one full-time and three part-time, I got to a place where I was, and I usually can handle that. It's like, not a problem. Okay, we're just chugging along. And it was fine for a long time. And then it was like, I just couldn't, I just would, sometimes I'd sit down when I got home and I'd just go, I can't hardly even move. I just can't even hardly. And I was just weary, stressed and weary. And I just, I went to the Ten Commandments and I said, Lord, why am I so weary? What's going on? Is there some area where I'm out of whack or something that's happening? And I went down. And we got to the fourth one. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And it just. And it was like God said, you're involved in church work, religious work. And you've forgotten to take a Sabbath for yourself and God. And your body's weary. You have not spent time alone with me, just you and me. Not for a sermon, not for the next assignment, just you and me. Now, for me, that means I have to walk the dog up to Carl's Jr. for a long time, have a big tea. It's about a mile and a half away, and we talk. And, and it's not me and the dog, but God and I. And, and, and it's just really cool. And it's just, and we just, just a very slow day. And I need one of those, according to the scriptures, about once a week. Does that make sense? A Sabbath. Now, for some of you, that's Sunday. But for Dave and some of the staff here, it's not Sunday. They're working. Okay. And the whole thing I discovered was I was I had pushed past and I'd given that up to do more church work, but I needed it and I needed to bring it back. Does that make sense? Now, sometimes I've talked to people and they go right down through this and they'll, they'll God will just lift off number nine. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Something they're doing means they have to be deceptive. They have to lie to someone else, maybe to themselves, maybe to someone else. And you get tipped over when you live a lie. Does this make sense? And so what God, many times, I, he'll tell you, he'll say, this is it, work on this one, look on that one, work on this one. Maybe you're messing around with adultery when you shouldn't, and you're moving in that direction. Don't get tipped over in that area. Now, so that's the third one. Let's go on. The fourth one, this is my favorite, one of my favorites. I just love, I do this constantly. I ask because God says he'll teach us through the stories of the Bible. Now take a look at this verse in in Psalms 19, verse 7. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. Now a simple person is a person who knows what they want. If I were to ask any of you right now, what do you want? Somebody say, I want this to be over, I want lunch, I want whatever it is. You know exactly what you want. That's what's called being simple, or if you wanted to say it in the Hebraic, naive. I know what I want, but I don't really care about what anybody else wants, and I certainly am not thinking about what God wants. And if you want to be wise, you have to take all those, what I want, what others want, and what God wants, into effect. And you're trying to think in a bigger way. Now, he says the testimonies of the Lord are sure. Those are the stories of the Old and New Testaments. He, he makes us wise that way. Now, here's what I do. And I'll do this two, three, four times, sometimes more per month. I'll ask God, what character or story in the Bible am I like? Am I like Ruth? Am I like Deborah? Am I like Cain? Am I like uh, Jacob? Am I like Daniel? And then I just go through the stories until God says this one, this one. And then I begin to study that story and God begins to give me wisdom. So you read, search through the stories until one stands out, read through and study the story and prayerfully and, and thoroughly. Now, I, was, I brought, I had this whole list of all the stories. I have a list of all the stories of the Old Testament, all the stories of the New Testament. I was supposed to give it to Brigitte, but I forgot. So I'll have to email it to her. Because 
God says he's going to do this in terms of guiding us. There's tremendous wisdom in those stories. Now, it's very important that you realize I need to know the stories of the Bible. That's why it's important to read through the Bible or read a Bible story book or go to Sunday school classes and those kinds of things. Because I have never heard ever of God whispering into someone's ear, you're just like Cinderella. God doesn't say that. God doesn't say, you're just like Nemo's father right now. Now, I like all those stories, and I've watched all the Disney movies and all that stuff, and he never has whispered, you're just like in Transformers, Revenge of the Dark Moon. That's where you are. He doesn't do that. And yet, those are the stories sometimes we pull in, and we say, God, could you lead me that way? And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to lead you through the stories of the Old and New Testament, because God specifically picked those stories. He caused those to be there, so that when we, any situation, in all of life, in any culture, he can use those stories to guide us. It could be that God might be saying, you're just like Jacob wrestling with the angel. You know, where you, have you ever resisted God? God's telling you one thing and you're... And God is, you're just like Jacob and the angel. There's some lessons to be learned there, okay? It could be that God says, you're just like when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Have you ever been betrayed by people who you've loved and who you've trusted? Yeah, and he, God can, there's so many lessons there. And he can say, that's what you need to study. Study where Jacob was sold by his brothers, his own brothers, into slavery. And there's such wisdom there. It could be that God is saying, um, you're just like when Moses got all ticked at the people and threw down the Ten Commandments. Moses comes back from a tablet which God himself has written, and he gets so mad at the people in the church that he destroys what God wrote. Dumb idea. (laughs) Dumb idea. Have you ever gotten so mad at the people in your family and stuff that you say and do stupid things? No, nobody here would ever do that. I realize that. But God wants to teach us some things. In fact, God says to Moses, we got to talk because we got to do some new stuff because of what you just did. Now, it could be that he wants to say, you're just like Korah in his rebellion. It's interesting. King David had, we know that King David had God tell him this story. Because one of the phrases that King David says over and over and over again is, I will not raise up my hand against the Lord's anointed. He had at least three chances to rebel against King Saul, his boss, and to become king himself, to run a coup and run it. We know that the only place, at least the only place he could have gotten not to do that with, not to do that, was this story. And we know he memorized the first five books of Moses and he knew this story. Because Korah was one of Moses' lieutenants. And Korah said, Moses, you're a dumb boss. You make some mistakes. I want to be the boss. And he tried to rise up. And God said, everybody step back from Korah. And it had the ground swallow Korah and his family in big tent. And what David realized is, ooh, it's not a good idea to rebel. Not a good idea. So he learned that. So maybe that's what God wants to tell you. It could be Balaam's donkey. This is where the donkey sees the angel and God lets the donkey talk in order to tell Balaam, you're an idiot. Sometimes God has to use your children. He has to use your dog. He has to use things that just don't make any sense because they're the only ones who get it. 
Your neighbor has to come over and say, I don't believe in God, but I think he's trying to tell you this. Or whatever. It's just amazing. <laughs> you know you're in deep trouble when God says, I think you need to read the story of Balaam's ass. <laughs> you know you're in the deep weeds there. Okay, now... But God wants to give us wisdom. The problem is not on God's side, it's on our side. We don't know how to hear him and we don't do it when he says. Now, I'm going to just walk our way right down through this because it doesn't matter if we hear an interesting sermon or a little lecture at Home Depot and we don't do it. How many of you would say, I want God's wisdom? How many of you would say that? Okay, good. How many of you would be willing to take the next step and say, I'm willing to ask for God to give me his wisdom. Because there's a big difference between I want it and I'm going to ask for it, okay? Then I'm going to go right down through each one of these and ask, how many of you are willing to listen for his voice in the Proverbs by going through the exercises in Proverbs? Okay, good, good. Some of you, good. How many of you sense that God may want you to go through the Ten Commandments and listen? Okay, good. A few of us, good, 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 good. How many of you need to listen through the Beatitudes? Okay, good, good, good. Ooh, this whole section, this is good for you guys. Okay, this section's not as much. Okay, this is good. Okay, then, now, I'm just kidding you, but, okay, how many of you need to say, God, what character or story in the Bible am I like? Okay, good, good. God is trying to speak back to us in dialogue. Well, the greatest time of my day, every single day, is from nine o'clock to midnight when God and I go through some of these exercises. And I just say, tomorrow looks like it's going to be this, God. What do you want me to know? How am I going to be doing this? What should I do here? And, how, and I go right down through some of these. Now, my hope is, is that you draw in the wisdom of God that he's given us in the Bible, and you let him speak to you, and then you do it. Now, if you're a Christian, great, go for it. If you're not a Christian, you've never said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I'd like to be forgiven, and I'd like to become a Christian... Today's a good day to do that, if that's where you are in your spiritual journey. That brings this a little bit more to light. It, it opens it up more. So I would just encourage you, if you've never done that, you do it this way. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I realize I don't have any business to expect I'd go to heaven. I've done too many things wrong. But I would like to ask if you would forgive me and begin to open up your wisdom in the Bible to me. Amen. That's how it works. Now, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thanks for this group. I pray, Father, that we've just opened up some more practical, clear ways to have you begin to speak directly into their lives. Because that's what really matters. Not what I say, but what you say to them through your scriptures. Open, direct, encourage. If anyone wants to become a Christian, may they just pray that prayer. Dear Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. I want you to forgive my sins. I want to become a Christian. Come into my life. Let's go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you.
Thanks again for listening. 